and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am delighted to welcome as our guest today, Leslie Daniels. Leslie is the Account Development Director for Healthy Family Project, previously known as Produce for Kids. She develops and executes all the organization's in-store cause marketing programs. And before working with Healthy Family Project, Leslie was the Senior Manager of Private Brands and Strategic Sourcing for Giant Eagle. And earlier in her career, she also worked for the Kraft Heinz Company, including on a variety of different supply chain projects and all kinds of interesting things. I'm so excited to dive into a great variety of topics with Leslie. So without further ado, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good morning. (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to talk, of course, plenty about Healthy Family Project and some of the things that you guys have going on there. Um, But first, I wanted to get kind of your high-level perspective on some of the different opportunities that are out there for retailers and then produce brands as well. Um, So one of the things with your background um, with Kraft Heinz, I was curious, what are some of the things that you observed CPG companies doing, um, whether that's in-store or digital as well on on the merchandising and marketing side that produce companies maybe should learn from and maybe even experiment with? Yeah, um, I think that's a really great way to look at things. Um, Produce definitely has its unique challenges that don't make them completely congruent to any sort of CPG or UPC packaged item. Um, But some of the things that um, we are seeing or I'm seeing is that um, they're really making an effort to meet people where they are. And um, sadly, where that is, is on our phones. (laughs) So um, while, you know, I think they are, um, you know, the consumers are really looking for value and they are accepting of private label items um, with non-food or some packaged goods. I think there's still a huge opportunity for the produce brands to build trust for that same reason. Um, so when you're looking at, you know, building building trust with your produce brand, um, having a having a brand when you're online, you know, you're digitally um, talking to customers, I think there's a huge opportunity for that. Um, making more of a coordinated promotion, promotional plan across channels. Um, I'm an Ulta shopper, you know, so um, how do you get me to, you know, want to get the $10 off online, but I can also take it in store. So I think that's really interesting. So being able to shift um, with the consumers wherever they are and creating that channel flexibility uh, and, you know, using that loyalty to offer complementary items. So big data, right? So how do you go in and track that data and um, geo-target or remind uh, shoppers, hey, it looks like you're close by. And remember you you wanted to make that, you know, smoothie bowl. Um, and I think that's not something we've seen with produce quite yet. That's super interesting. And I was curious too on the, like the push notifications, right? What what is kind of the, cause I, I'm probably maybe, um, uh, I, I tend to set more kind of barriers around the technology that maybe other people do. What's the, how powerful can those push notifications be? I guess is my question. 
Yeah. You know, I think incredibly powerful if you have, you know, if you have them open on your phone, I I just turned one off the other day because I was like, whoa, you know too much about me. And that was not, you know, maybe a channel that I wanted to share that much information with. Um, But I think incredibly powerful. Uh, Starbucks reminds me all the time that I'm nearby and that I can get double stars, you know, and it might just be, you know, oftentimes it's just the push that I need where I'm like, you know what, Starbucks, I'm I'm coming over. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> so um, I think they're incredibly um, interesting. So um, as you know, right now, our consumers are still fairly open um, with a lot of that data. Um, so, you know, I think we have with great power comes great responsibility. right? <laughs> so how do we use it for good? And and certainly the science supports um, produce and in eating healthy. And so I think we can feel good about helping our consumers um, shop for our for our items because they are, you know, more helpful in that way. You're absolutely right. If anybody can feel good about uh, push notifications and, you know, generating impulse sales, it's fruits and ve- <laughs> people, people who sell fruits and vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for the people where we're, it's okay. <laughs> That's right. We're helping you help yourself. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you you alluded to kind of this this idea of basket building too, right? Even like um, I know sometimes with whether it's clothing stores or different things, I'll get an email notification that says, hey, you you left things in your cart. Do you want to, you know, go back and purchase or things like that? I don't know if um, for produce or for grocery we necessarily see those tools to the same extent, or maybe not so much produce, but maybe other things. What what's what's what have you seen in that area? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When we we're so conditioned to, you know, to shop online, or at least to do intense research online, even if you don't purchase, mm-hmm. I, you know, we spend so much time on our phones. You know, more time, and and I'm watching it with my boys who are preteens. You know with, with, with limit limits, of course, but, you know, they use Google or they use TikTok like Google, right? So they're doing their research, um, completely different than the way that we do research. Um, they also use voice to text, which is totally interesting. And, you know, the, the Amazon assortment, you know, complimentary offerings is just normal, right? So, you know, other, other shoppers also bought <laughs> and it, it, you know, it definitely pulls your eye and you're like, oh, is this, is this maybe what I want to do too, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Reminder. Um, And I think that we do, um, we should be using that, you know, in grocery, obviously, but then also, of course, in produce as well. And you mentioned that this uh, at the very beginning, Leslie, which was, you know, meeting people where they are, which in many cases is on the phone, what do you think, what do you think are the biggest places that maybe produce broadly is missing when it comes to being in those places where people are just hanging out, spending their free time? Because as you mentioned, um, you know, even if folks aren't shopping online, like making the purchase online, that's still a huge area of influence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think obviously like the big social media um, presence is, you know, TikTok, Instagram reels, you know, now we're seeing YouTube shorts uh, and that's, that's really where they are. They're spending more time watching TikTok than they do cable television. Um, and it's just, it's a preferred, you know, a preferred form of entertainment. Um, 
we might sometimes is like some of the older generation say, oh, that's so sad, but it's really an opportunity. Um, you don't need to have a Super Bowl level ad or commercial to meet those people. Um, so oftentimes you can have a much smaller marketing budget um, and still get eyeballs on your product or on uh, your idea or, or your company or your brand. So. And I'm glad that you mentioned the the budget because that was something I was curious to talk to you about as well as um, when we think about, you know, as, as produce suppliers selling to all these different retailers and then every retailer, of course, has this whole ecosystem of ways that they reach shoppers. And I think there's a big opportunity probably in there, right, for partnership um, in those areas between the supplier and the retailer. I'm curious, um, you know, whether we're talking about website or social media um, you know, maybe the app notifications, all those retailer channel channels. How much do you see of that um, paid versus unpaid when it comes to collaborations with suppliers? Yeah, so it's really, uh, you know, I think it's a mix, you know, when it comes to how each retailers go to market, each different retail partner goes to market. Um, I think the least expensive option is to always get on the shopping list before the shop, the consumer even leaves the house. So, you know, when you think about, you know, myself or, you know, anyone, when you've built an entire meal around a particular item or it's a huge part of an item, price really moves down on that consumer decision tree, right? You know, is as long as there's quality product and it's available in store and you don't have an out of stock situation and I already have a basket full of items that, and that plan, <laughs> you know, it's, it's highly unlikely at 50 cents or 75 or even a dollar per unit is going to change my mind. I I'm, I'm committed at that point, right? I'm fully committed. So I think, you know, that's where we see some of those viral trends really in play. Um, you know, we've seen it really blow up, you know, like tomato feta, as we talk about, you know, those like super viral things. But there's there's really a ton of examples of more like slow burn, slow burn trends that are still happening that make a huge difference in sales. And, you know, they don't cost a lot. You know, you're you're out there. Think about skincare. I, you might just be my age and demographic. But, you know, when you look at your feed, skincare is crazy hot right now. And, you know, you're you're seeing everyone from 13 year old girls wanting to buy hundred dollar face cream to, you know, more mature skin options. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it, it's really interesting. I think those are some. Um, inexpensive ways uh, to to get onto the consumer shopping list. Of course, with retail, you see different types of philosophies, right? So you have like that pay for ad kind of model, or you have like a pay for display. Um, I am like, if I, you know, if I put my retail hat on, and I also wear a supplier hat, you know, it, I'm always kind of in between. Um, I think the the best bang for your buck it, as a grower shipper would be that display model, right? So if, especially for produce, so I, I just picked up blackberries, um, gorgeous, you know, blackberries, they were Driscoll's, they were amazing, and they're probably from Mexico right now, right? They weren't on my list, uh, but they just, they looked fantastic. And, you know, that, that produce team knew that they looked fantastic. They interrupted my shop and, you know, I picked them up and then I had to go get cottage cheese to go with them. Cause those are two things I love to eat together. <laughs> so, you know, I think that 
display being there. So if you have a, a display or a shipper or, uh, you know, different marketing materials where um, you can get kind of a secondary display, I think those are some inexpensive options. And then, you know, obviously putting some money in getting it on the list, right? You know, if you can, if you can have create a viral sensation, then um, it's good for, it's good for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I was curious too, because thinking about, um, you know, like you mentioned point of sale material, right? Whether that's the the branding on the boxes or whether that's additional signage or, or different things like that. What are you seeing as far as, because I know some stores will have like the clean floor policies or things like that. I'm curious if that has changed over the years as as more um, produce suppliers really try to to differentiate themselves by by putting more effort behind the branding. Yeah, so I think I think we were moving in one direction and COVID really changed some things, right? So I think we were moving out of packaging. We were moving into like full steam ahead, a little bit of probably a little too hard into private label in that way that, you know, everything was kind of just like curated for you and your produce department. Like, you know, like they're growing the lettuce in the back room. But um, I think there was start starting to see at least on the fringe you were starting to see this really take hold and then covid happened and consumers really overcame that barrier to buying produce online because we kept saying you know they're buying everything online except for produce and i was even guilty of you know doing a full click and collect order and then but popping in to pick out my own fruits and veggies so COVID changed that completely. And then we wanted packaging because we didn't want someone else to touch it, right? So now we're back in. So we're like, wrap them up and give us the billboard back. And so now we're in a unique space, kind of at a crossroads again. So where do we go? So will we keep all of that extra packaging and all of that extra plastic and and things and, and billboards? I think it's to be determined. Um, I think building brand trust is a big deal. And I think that we should continue to allow brands to build that trust. I think it is important. It's worked in CPG for um, a number of years. And I think you have to, you know, if you are looking at that online shopper, knowing and trusting that berry or that tomato is going to be um, what you expect and consistent, it's it's easier to make to make that click and you know add to cart um, from a distance um, with that brand. So I think it will be interesting um, the way that we're moving. But point of sale material is definitely working. Um, people want to know about the brand. They want to know about the farm. They want to know the story. They want to know what you're doing beyond just selling tomatoes or bananas. They want to know that. Um, you might have done it in a sustainable way. We've we've seen it with chocolate. You know, they had some bad press recently and we're a dark chocolate family and, you know, okay, we don't eat that much dark chocolate. Is 50 cents a chocolate bar going to make a difference? Well, if it's sustainably, you know, farmed or, or if it's providing, a, you know, different a different type of ecosystem than, you know, I ethically want to be a part of, you know, then you kind of make that different decision. But someone had to tell me that, right? And then they had to remind me that, remind that me of that whenever I went to buy it again. So um, some interesting things. I think if you have a point of difference, um, if you can bring some sustainability options, some farm stories, 
um, I think you should definitely do it and you should do it to remind your shoppers at shelf or on pack. Mm-hmm. And Leslie, from your time on the the retail side too, like you mentioned, there's so many different stories to be told across produce, you know, from the retailer perspective, um, do they want to, do, do you see a desire to kind of help tell those stories or is there some like information overwhelm sometime? Cause obviously they're trying to convey a lot, right? They're trying to convey good value. They're trying to, you know, talk about their own brand. Like wh- where do produce stories kind of fall in that hierarchy? Yeah. So it definitely differs, <laughs> you know, um, and I think each retailer struggles to to define, you know, local. What is local? And it, there is no standard textbook definition. And if you asked five uh, retail managers what their definition of local is, I guarantee you would get five completely different answers. So um, I think being able to help them with useful, <laughs> easy, relevant information and to educate them. So you're you're asking a category manager to know the intricacies of your 100-year-old farm. Uh, they're not going to know that unless you can make it really succinct and easy for them um, and some data, right? You know, some data to support it or use their data, right? So a lot of retailers have their own data that they trust. And so, you know, getting a partnership where you can say, you know, I can I can show you with your own data that you know what I'm telling you is true, um, but it's definitely and it's it's definitely different. I think out there. <laughs> awesome. And then Leslie, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how you all at Healthy Family Project specifically work with retailers and some of the components of of the programs that you all run. What's what's on the what's on the horizon for you all right now? Oh, well, um, I mean, we're, I hope that we're an extension of their team, right? So um, I think anytime we work with our, our retail partners, um, we want to be able to provide them some of that help and some of that, that data to uh, obviously help them move fresh fruits and veggies, but also give back to their local community. Um, so anytime we can help them provide educational materials or um, inspire additional purchases, you know, we're excited to do that and to be able to work with them, uh, you know, individually based on kind of how, how they go to market. So we kind of get in there and, and learn about what they're doing and, and, and kind of create a unique, a unique way um, that still gives them a point of difference uh, to have each individual campaign um, with some pillars or I guess some core fundamental activations at each each different retailer. So and tell me a little bit, um, maybe for our listeners who might not be as familiar with Healthy Family Project, a little bit of the the scope of what you all do, whether that's number of retailers or number of stores or whatever the best way is to define it. Oh gosh, yeah. So we are we're we're nationwide. Yeah, I, it is. It's pretty wild. So we're a small team. So saying that is is definitely exciting. So we we work with um, strategic retailers, obviously um, ones that um, ones that understand what we do, <laughs> right? That want to give back to their communities. Um, with each of our activations. We give we make the donation hyper local intentionally, so we want to make sure that um, we follow that donation all the way down to the very last person that receives it. So um, 
earmarking, you know, dollars for children, you know, food insecurity or, or child nutrition education, um, and then taking it all the way down to the lowest level is is most often where our donations go. And uh, we, you know, we do work with um, exclusive regions, if you will, right, because we want to provide that point of difference. So we are um, looking to expand in certain regions of the the country where we might not have campaigns and we have not been able to impact those communities with donations and then also with the education. Um, so we are, you know, we're there. I can't, I, you know, we look at our, our retail list every year and we're like, okay, I guess we're going to do, we're going to do, ten, we did 10 last year. We're going to do 15 activations this year, but, you know, we're excited. Um, we're grateful for our retail partnerships um, we're grateful that they that they come back and work with us every year. We're grateful for the opportunity to make an impact um, in the communities that we serve. Um, we're grateful for all of our sponsors, you know, so we just, I think what's next is, you know, we'll just continue to, um, to continue to be humble and to be grateful and to keep working really hard um, to make a difference with each of those retail partners. And then for all of our sponsors too, um, we know that same price, same quality that, you know, with the give back component that the each of the sponsors are seeing lift and seeing, you know, education, our impressions are are great and they grow every every year, every every activation. Um, so it's working <laughs> and it's OK to um, for all of us to do good while we do good. Right. So doing doing good while doing good. And and that is at the core um we're able to help people and also hopefully sell some fruits and veggies while we're at it. Right. Absolutely. And uh, again, just for, um, for folks to have a little bit more background and make sure I'm capturing it correctly. What you all do is it's really kind of a, it, it, the point of sale material and different things that you all provide, it gives sort of a, a theme throughout the store. Like you said, with these different um, suppliers who are, who are sponsors and partners with you all, um, and, and then there's, there's a donation component too, like you said, that that's local. Is that kind of how things are structured? Yeah. So, um, when you run a, a campaign with healthy family project, um, in store, it's primarily under the produce for kids brand. Um, so what we do is kind of, it's like the 360, the wheel. So we really are, have been omni-channel since before omni-channel was a word. So <laughs> we activate in store with some traditional POS. Um, obviously, we build that campaign, customize it to the retailer, whether they have that clean floor policy or if, you know, they'd let me put a rock band in the produce department. And, you know, that has happened, actually. So <laughs> if we can, you know, it, it varies, right? Depends on how they, they want to interact with us. Um, so we so we do that. So we have traditional POS um, at shelf, but then we also have all of the social digital components that are involved in that. Um, the retailers support uh, in the ways in which they can. So whether that's in ad or through their e-commerce sites, um, the retailers will support us. We do all of the trade promotion. And then we also do all of the um, coordination and donation, um, all of that. So we really are kind of turnkey, but customizable, <laughs> you know, so when you, when you do a Produce for Kids campaign or a Healthy Family Project campaign, you don't have to change, you know, your banner and kind of what you, who you are. You don't have to become Warby Parker, Tom Shoes, 
um, indefinitely, but you can have this halo of good happen for a period of time and then go back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, and that's same for the brands that work with us. So, you know, we're able to um, provide that third party, hey, look at this amazing opportunity in this way that we're working together to do something good together um, without, you know, having to rebrand or or, or rechange the messaging um, just by being a part of our campaign. And what what have you found to be some of the elements where customization is is required? Because obviously every retailer does does a million little things, probably just a little bit differently. What are some of the things that you have seen most commonly that's like, ooh, we better account for this because they may not have this, they may have, you know, that component, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's every every part of it. So everybody's so different. <laughs> so we're all very unique. Um, even just the POS, I mean, we we do every different size of sign, type of sign, um, substrate of sign possible, right? Um, the first and secondary locations, because everyone merchandises differently and everyone's store, um, even if you have if you have uh 300 stores. They don't all look the same, right? So we have um, in, in our sign kits, even just building out what that kit looks like. Um, and then the directions, <laughs> you know, on how to hang the signs are all, they all vary. So I think every bit of it is unique. Um, we also, our digital team does a fantastic job of looking at uh, what our sponsors are doing from a digital social media standpoint, um, where they are. So we, you know, we don't want to tweet at someone that doesn't tweet, right? So we want to make sure that we're having those conversations and we're aligning with our goals, right? So if they want to grow uh, their Instagram following, then we would spend a little bit more time chatting with them um, on Instagram. If they are trying to test the water into TikTok, come on over, you know, we're, we're there already, <laughs> you know, come on, jump in. So <laughs> we have, um, you know, we do customize sadly, almost every individual piece of it, wow. um, which makes them really complex, but also really important to us, you know, uh, even the the donation piece and and who w the benefiting charity is, we make sure that that align, that is aligned to the brand, the retail brand. And um, when we work with the commissaries and military produce group, um, we do give back to a, a, a our military kids, which is a, an organization that is more focused in that military community and giving back to that military child. And we feel like that's important. Feeding America is still incredibly important for that, that community. Um, but we felt like that resonated a little bit more with those shoppers that mm -hmm. are at the commissary. So mm -hmm. we, we customize, uh, we can customize every piece of it <laughs> if they, if they like. Um, and I think that's why our campaigns have stood the test of time. That makes so much sense. Yeah, because like you mentioned, every every chain is different. And then there's differences in the stores and the e-commerce part of it and the in-store part of it. That's uh that's remarkable, the the scope of customization that you guys do. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And I'm curious too, so kind of going along with that, what have you all seen be helpful in in carrying the execution all the way through, right? You're getting all the stuff together for the e-commerce portion. You're customizing all this point of seal material and all these different components. 
to get that follow through and execution at store level when, you know, all is said and done, what are the things that you found most helpful in sort of that, that final push across the finish line in store? Yeah. Uh, so communication, definitely navigating like which ropes to skip and which ones to jump like throughout the, the, the produce team. And then a retailer in in general is every organization's different. Um, so we just want to make sure that we have those contacts and we have those brief conversations just to make sure that everyone's aware. And then obviously over communicating, you can never communicate enough. Um, we've seen some really amazing success at that store level personnel communication. So when you can, when the produce manager um, knows about the the campaign and knows the impact of that campaign and actually um, believes in in what we're doing, it, it's it's obviously that that is like the the most amazing part, right? When that happens, everything is working. Um, we had really great success with harps um, when we were able to kind of outfit <laughs> um, through their produce for kids Saturdays. Each of their produce team members wear our fruits and veggies and giving back shirts, like the one I have on. And you know, when you're when you finally hand that T-shirt to that associate and you're able to to say, "Hey, welcome to the family," and this is what what the campaign is doing, um, it really did start to help that education piece kind of come full circle. Um, that's when you, we, I saw an uptick in calls of, Hey, I, I need a updated sign kit or, you know, I could, I could use an extra or, you know, things like that. Or I had a question. And so that's always good. I would, I love any day I can field a, a question directly from a produce manager or produce team member um, asking about the campaign or where we can get additional signs. So, communication always to the store operational level is never easy. We've done it. We've done videos that can kind of go on the internet work. We we've done, you know, um, <laughs> non words, you know, kind of just like education through emojis, like Ikea, Ikea furniture builds, <laughs> you know, we've tried every, you know, every different option on kind of how to explain succinctly um, what we're doing and following through. Um, we've done a couple of, uh, contests, if you will. Um, and I, one of the unique parts of our contest is that um, with with the, the the random prize or, you know, you, that you might receive, we've also attached a, a matching donation to a charity of their choice. So we really want to make sure that they understand that um, this really is a, a means to fundraise. And so we're able to, you know, hey, here's here's a gift card, but also you know, we'd like to match that amount and and give it to a charity of your choice. So whether that be your your son's baseball team or your church, you know, we'd like to be able to meet you there and, and help you. And so I think that those types of, you know, whenever we have the opportunity to do that level of um, connecting with the team on the front lines, then I think we always will be successful. Very neat. And let's talk about some of these some of these campaigns that you guys have done, Leslie, because you mentioned the rock band. I definitely want to hear about that. I'm just curious <laughs> about some of the cool things you guys have done over the years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've had a, a fruits and veggies themed rock, ba- rock band um, in a retailer, which is always fun. It happened more than a few times. Um, we love the Produce for Kids Saturdays that happen at Harps um, each each of the sponsors get an individualized day. 
and it's a party, right? So everyone gets to wear their fruits and veggies shirts. Um, produce bucks are available for all the families that are shopping when they're available to get a dollar off any fresh produce item in store that day during their shop. Um, so that's just, you know, a lot of fun. We get a lot of uh, trial and interaction um, with shoppers. Also, um, with, with our military produce group, um, I mentioned with our CDCs, they um, they celebrate coming up here in, in April, month of the military child. So we were working through them um, as part of an overlay program, really kind of a, of an overarching campaign that happens, you know, the entire month of April across every commissary. Um, but one of the things that we found a unique opportunity to help them with um, was with their produce tour. So they have the with, what they call a CDC or their child development centers. Um, and they take them on a tour of the produce department. So these are four, five, and six-year-olds that are coming into this grocery department when they're basically at daycare, right, or preschool. And um, we were able to assist with that produce, you know, team member. They've, they've been doing it, um, but we were able to provide them with a script. Um, so they're able to, you know, we we have some produce facts for them and some jokes, you know, uh, age-appropriate, interesting, fun things that four, five, and six-year-olds would remember and want to ask more questions about. Kind of, do you, does this item grow in a tree, a pie in a tree, or does it grow in the dirt, you know, down on low to the ground on a bush? So just really interesting things. Are there seeds? How many, what do you think the seeds look like? Do you think they're big? Do you think they're small? So just some of that educational stuff. Um, really that's, that's what the collaboration is supposed to be, right? So we're marketers and we, you know, have this opportunity to work with, you know, work with these retailers and solve a problem, hopefully. Um, so that produce tour was one that we're really excited about. And then the kids get kind of, kind of like a little piece of paper and then they get stickers, you know, as they make their way through the little tour and each of the sponsors are a stop along the way, which is really fun. So we've able to help provide, uh, the produce department, you know, who is kind of tasked with this, <laughs> you know, with some some materials that will help them um, have a more fun time, a little bit more organized time. Um, so those are some really fun, interesting things. We've had characters, we've had um, demos, you know, it's it's been, you know, our signs through the years. I, I have a slide somewhere where, um, you know, you look at the different the way that um, the color schemes have even changed in just food marketing over the years and through our brand over the years are just really fascinating from really bright um, primary colors to kind of a little bit more of a softer white look. Um, we updated the POS at Publix um, a few years ago to better fit some of their merchandising placement um, and style. And I think that's been a really great improvement. So even just, you know, a refresh of, of signage to, you know, t-shirts and, and tours with, you know, jokes, it, we really do kind of, <laughs> we've, we've been there, we've tried it, we've done it. Um, and, and what's old is new again. We keep saying that we're kind of seeing that resurgence. So we'll keep that file to remember that we don't always have to recreate the wheel. Maybe, you know, 20 years from now, we'll go back and we'll cycle through some of these great ideas we had. So. That's right. Very neat. Well, any, um, any particular, I'm trying to think anything else, Leslie, that you kind of want to highlight that you guys have, have done before some of these projects or some that you're particularly excited about coming up this year. 
Oh goodness. Oh, we're, we're always excited. We're, we're, we're never not excited um, <laughs> to do our campaigns. And I, I wondered whenever I, I made the transition from retail um, to the healthy family project team, if that, if, if the, if it would be fast paced enough or it would be fun enough when you come from like that retail environment. And, and the answer is yes, plus more. Right. So <laughs> uh, we, because we get to work with everyone, right. So all the greatest um, produce teams in in the country, and we all, we get to learn from them too. So um, it has been. It, we're really excited about twenty twenty three and beyond. Uh, you know, I think COVID is behind us <laughs> finally. <laughs> so I think we're all ready to um, to get back to to some of the fun that we've been you know that we've been having. So um, find us in stores. You know, find us online. Um, TikTok has been really fun. I know my team has been. Um, we, I work with a bunch of really brilliant women that just are so inspiring every day. So, um, that we're having a lot of fun. A lot of our, um, digital campaigns, um, have been able to develop some really neat components. So, um, if you, if you can't find our signs in store, if you don't shop near one of our retail partners, you definitely will be able to come and visit us, um, from your phone (laughs) when you're sitting at home. So please, um, come get on the journey with us, check out um, some of the sponsors, um, all of the sponsors that we've been able to work with. And um, let's, you know, give back and hopefully sell some fruits and veggies while we're at it. <laughs> I have to ask you real quick about TikTok, because I know that this this is sort of our newest marketing frontier, right? And it's a little intimidating and it's different than some of these other platforms. How do you all approach TikTok? I just have to know. Yeah. So, so we're there, right? So I think the first step is you have to, um, you have to be okay with, with getting there. Right. So I think we were, uh, a little bit nervous that things had to be perfect and that does not go over well on TikTok. So it has to be relatable. Um, definitely doesn't have to be, um, professionally photographed or professionally videoed. Right. So it's okay to, to be, um, 15 second videos, right? So um, we are we are there. I think that's the first step is you have to get there. Um, and then we have Andrea um, Wiggins, who is just a, an amazing TikTok brain. She, she lives it every day for us. Uh, she has been doing some really wonderful things with short form video. So um, you also have to look at the trends, right? So um, as your, I know she wrote a really great article too, um, at, at some point in the trade. So check that out. I know she has a bunch of tips and tricks in there, uh, but really just being relatable, uh, being, uh, being present, right. And, and you're there, uh, making sure your SEO is up to date. Right. So there is, um, there's a lot of thought and analytics that go, that goes behind, um, what those videos are and kind of tactics in which you, in which you do, um, and you launch them and then also fun, right? So, uh, it has to be useful and relevant and, and has to be fun, right? So this is entertainment. I think there's a stat, right? Where we as Americans are spending more time watching TikTok, you know, than our television. And so how do you, um, end up in their feed and then also being okay with like, you're not going to get the likes or the saves that you do on other platforms. It's a little bit different in the way that you look at your analytics. And I know there's um, a lot of 
you know, that's not my expertise, but definitely know enough to talk about it. But that's where my team is able to provide, you know, a lot of really great information around what is important, what metric is important in the land of TikTok and how you're being seen or viewed. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, you just have to keep, you have to keep going out there every day. And eventually, you know, if something does take off, it's incredible the amount of views that you get whenever it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so quickly. So it's, quite fascinating, but it's definitely a full-time job. (laughs) Well, I know that was the first thing that stood out to me when I started reading a little bit about the format is like frequent content. I'm like, oh, content's a lot of work. Frequent contact is a whole lot of work. (laughs) So I think take the stigma, you know, when we, when I joined today, you were like, don't be nervous. You know, it's fine. We're going to have a casual conversation. I think TikTok's kind of that same way. Like, don't be nervous. Just get out there, be yourself have a casual conversation with your audience. And I think they'll pick up on your authenticity and, and realness to be helpful. Right. All right. One more Leslie for you. When we talk about the campaigns with retailers, are these all year round? Is it, you know, certain kind of seasons throughout the year? What's kind of the time frame like structure with those? <laughs> I feel like, um, like a consultant where you always answer, well, it depends. Well, <laughs> so it really does. It depends. Um, we we build those timeframes around with each of our retailers. So um, I mentioned an overlay. So if there is an opportunity in their marketing um, calendar where we can help pump their party, um, we certainly will do that. If uh, we are limited to a time when there's not much going on and, you know, we will also fill in that space. Um, we do have some, you know, one year long campaign, uh, that we come back and refresh signage for and try to, you know, stay active, but we really are an extension of their marketing team in that instance, you know, where we're just helping, helping as a, as a marketing year long tactic. So it really does depend. I, I would say six weeks is, would be the 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 right amount of time. Um, by the time you put up signs and you take them down, you know, six weeks is kind of the right amount of time to be in store. Um, obviously, longer is always great, but you know, we realize that people need to move on and <laughs> and go to the next thing, and and that's you know. So typically, our campaigns are anywhere from you know a month to a year long, <laughs> with that sweet spot so- sweet spot being about six to eight weeks. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, Leslie, is there anything that I should be asking that I'm not or anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Oh, my goodness. Uh, No, this has been really fun. Thank you for um, convincing me that I shouldn't be nervous and (laughs) good luck with your beautiful girls um, as you as you embark on your mom, (laughs) your major, (laughs) major mom, you doubled down. Yeah. So no, thank you so much for having me, you know, This has been fun. So I appreciate it. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Leslie, for taking the time. Wonderful to be able to to pick your brain on all these things, hear more about Healthy Family Project and Produce for Kids. And we'll thank our listeners as well. And we'll see everybody back next week on the Produce Retail Podcast. Mm -hmm.